family. Uh, so <clears throat> I wanted I wanted to uh, just just briefly actually have a seat real quick, and then we'll we'll read the scriptures. I I wanted to pause real quick, and I wanted to just remind us, um, or even gain a, a picture. Um, the Lord just put this in my heart. Of like why we why do we do that? Like why do we stand up? You ever thought about that? I was thinking about the young people in our in our in our service. Why do we stand up, sing songs, right? Then we like what, what, the worship the, the, the gathering service, and I begin to think about how in our world uh, there are so many avenues and opportunities where we honor each other, right? Where uh, birthday parties, you get together, right, and you spend that time, and the whole focus is on another person. And you play the games they like, you do the songs they like, you, you spend time talking about them. Uh, someone gets married uh, during the, uh, the engagement time. If you love the Lord Jesus, a lot of times you'll go to the, the bachelor party and they'll spend time uh, talking about the traits of that individual and, and how they've, they've helped individuals' lives change and how they've been an encouragement. Uh, you talk, you go into the arts, you know, you have someone who's given their life for 20 years, singing songs and selling records. And, and man, the people of the world, they do this all the time. Every, every year in the Grammys, every year in American Music Awards, they have the Lifetime Achievement Award. And they spend 10 minutes singing their songs and people get up and they kind of reenact their songs. And they, and they talk about how cool they are and, and all the things they did and people crying and stuff. Right. And so we we do this. We do this, and, and I want to propose there's nothing wrong with that. There's something cool about honor, but I want to propose to you that that's a glimpse, and that's a little tidbit of actually what's going on here. And it's, it pales in comparison analogy, but I want you to understand the reason why we get up and sing is because, guess what? We're, God's right here, and we're saying, God, you've done so much this week. You've done so much in our life. And, and basically that every day, and especially when the people of God gather together in assembly on Sundays, what we're saying is every week is a lifetime achievement award for Jesus. Right? That every week we go, God, let me just tell you about all the things you've done. Let me just tell you about how cool you are. And you know what? We're going to sing the songs you like. And we're going to sing the songs about you. And it's cool that the songs are about you, that the songs that you like, because you deserve to be sung about. Right? And so then everything that we're doing is kind of a time where we're just reminding God of how cool he is and how awesome he is. So when you're standing up, don't just think of it just being remote tradition. Oh, yeah, you go to service, you sing five songs, you sit down, you say hi to everybody, you hug a little bit. That's not what's going on here. This is a time, and it's hard because you don't see Jesus right here. Right? Usually in the world, you know, you got the person who's done the, you know, the songs for 20 years. You know, Whitney Houston's sitting there, and she's, oh, thank you for that. Thank you, you know. Right, and you, you know, so you, it makes a little more sense. Jesus, he's here, even though you don't see him. And so we have to recalibrate, and that's why sometimes we close our eyes. Because you get caught up, and you, you start you're looking at the wall and stuff, and you got to go, let me remember, Jesus is here. This is a Lifetime Achievement Award this weekend. Let me pause, and let me, I want to look at her. No, 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 I want to look at him. No, no, let me pause. Let me, let me, let me bear witness. Wow, Lord, you have changed my life. Right? If, 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 if somebody can say that to another man, oh, look what you did for me when I was three. What about God? <laughs> and I want to minimize what he did to you for you when you were three. I have people who changed my life. But propose the fact that if we can do that, I, I propose that God has given us that grace to just remind us when we retell his story, it should be all the more greater. So when we stand up and sing, just remember that. When we're teaching the word, just remember what's going on now. This is a Lifetime Achievement Award, and he gets it every week, not just once. Guess what? Because he never dies. Usually you get the Lifetime Achievement Award because you're about to die. 
or you're about to retire, right? You're about to be gone. So let me tell you, thanks. But for God, we give it to him and he's living. And so we give it to him all the time. Just remember that. So with that said, let's have the, um, the reading of the scriptures and then we're going to dive into the word. Thank you, sis. Hi, can everybody stand for God's word? Today's reading comes from 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 to 12. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but Mm -hmm. also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. This is God's word. Praise God. Thanks so much, sis. Let's pray together as we dive into God's word. Lord Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to be able to learn about you, that you have revealed yourself to us and continue to do that even through the proclamation of your holy word. In Christ, we, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit, allow us to walk in your ways. For those who don't know you, who are like, what's going on here? We ask that you would allow things to be clear, for the gospel to be clear, for the hope of, of, of our Savior to be clear, and that, Lord, you would draw people to yourself. We ask also, by your grace, would you use me? Pray against my own flesh, desire to be liked, desire to to do good, whatever that means, Lord. And we ask that we would just hear a word from Christ, that you would be lifted up um, and that the people of God, including myself, all of us, we would be changed uh, to be looking and acting and experiencing um, the grace um, that's found in Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Be exalted in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, we are in First Thessalonians uh, chapter two. We are going through the book of First Thessalonians uh, in, in this local community. We go through books of the Bible. Uh, we always say to make sure that we uh, can just stay true to the Lord. Um, Want to encourage you to go check out uh, what we've done in the past. Uh, hopefully, you'll be encouraged. Uh, it's easy to stay in, in, in books that you know, but we feel like we wanted you to get the whole counsel of God. My dream. Uh, as one of your leaders, is that if we would be able to go through every book of the Bible before the Lord calls me home. Uh, that's our. That'd be really cool, uh, and then we can have a lifetime achievement award for for me. But uh, <laughs> but uh, so um, so yeah. So we're we're in First uh, Thessalonians. We we finished Exodus. Took a little time in the summer to talk about wisdom from text from different leaders in our community. I thought it was a great time, and now we're in First Thessalonians. And this book is a, is a is a powerful book. Uh, obviously, first and foremost because it's from uh, the Holy Scriptures, but uh, specifically because it's dealing with what I think is amazing. You, you, uh, if you really want to understand what's going on in First Thessalonians, you go to Acts, uh, specifically Acts chapter 17, obviously read around the context of, the, of, the, of that chapter. And what you're seeing is you're seeing Paul, uh, Silas, and Timothy, they're preaching the gospel uh, to uh, this town. And what happens is they experience uh, a lot of persecution, persecution to the point where those who are hearing the good news and responding to the good news get beat up. They get dragged out. Obviously, those who are preaching the good news get dragged out uh, and get accused. 
and they eventually get thrown out of the city uh, to never be able to return again. And this happens probably three weeks um, into the journey of Paul trying to, de- trying to see people come to Christ and then trying to disciple them. So he's had kind of three weeks to pour into them. Then he gets shipped out of there uh, with his crew. Okay, and So now he's in other lands preaching the gospel, but he's still thinking about these guys uh, and those individuals who actually begin to persecute them uh, in Thessalonica are actually following him to other areas, still trying to persecute them. That's how intense the persecution was. That's how much they hated Paul and what he was preaching. Okay, So that's what's so that's kind of the, the lay of the land in which this letter is born, is that he's in other areas. He goes uh, to Berea and these different areas, and all of a sudden, uh, he's thinking, man, I, want, I'm, I hope these guys are okay, and hence he begins to write and pen this letter uh, to encourage these guys in their faith. Imagine that, because he's wondering, what, what would you think? I mean, let alone, say, without any persecution, we've taught people about the, the hope that's in Jesus Christ. We've shared with them, like, hey, I know you've been your own God for a while now. Do you know, I know you've heard the story of Jesus. Yes, he down the cross, rose from the dead for you. Uh, he's conquered sin, Satan, death, and evil. And that you can experience and know his love um, if, you, if you receive Christ by faith, right? And, and people say, oh, man, you see God just touch hearts. You see people say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. And then they become Christians without any persecution, and in two or three weeks, we're worried about them, right? No persecution, and, we're, and if you go away, you're like, man, I hope they're still walking, <laughs> right? I mean, how many of us, if you have an opportunity to see someone become a Christian, uh, do you leave them in three weeks? You don't. You, you, and if you did, how many of you would think, man, I'm confident that they're going to be okay? You probably would worry. I know I would, right? So now think about that from the perspective of not only do, do, does he leave, but he gets thrown out. He, does, he doesn't leave voluntarily. And those who became Christians are still there in the hotbed of evil. They're still there with the individuals who are wanting to do harm to them. And so he pins this letter to encourage these guys that, hey, no matter what. First of all, he's, he pins the letter to say, you guys are doing great. This is amazing. I cannot believe that I'm hearing about your faith in other parts of the world. That means that you guys have stood the ground. You guys are walking with the Lord. I'm very proud of you. So he's super excited about that, which is amazing. I just think that's blown. That's amazing. Um, but also, you, you'll see throughout the letter, he, he wants to encourage them in their faith. So that's kind of the of what's going on as we paint kind of the picture in First Thessalonians. Everybody with me? Everybody see what's going on so far? Now, uh, what I want you to keep playing in your mind as we walk through this text you know, briefly here is first, uh, one of the goals is for us to gain a heart as we are walking through First Thessalonians is to gain a heart for the persecuted church. Right. I want you and I to be leave, leave this book and, and, and just have a, even a bigger view. I know many of we have a big view of who our Lord is and what he's doing in his world as he's as he has us on mission. When I say the word mission, that we are a, a go tell people. We go out to communities. We go out to countries. We go to places and times and cultures. And we, and we tell people about about Jesus. Uh, but we forget that, man, not just back then, but even today, there are places where people, if they preach the gospel, they lose their family, they might lose their life, they lose their livelihood, where you can be killed by having Bibles and preaching the gospel, still, in 2017. And so I just want us to remember that, I want us to be thinking about that, I want us, as we're reading this story, I don't want it to just be something that, oh, that happened in the first century, I want us to see what happened in the first century, and then think about, Lord, how does that affect this local body today? 
right now we, we, you know, we, we support a few people who are preaching the gospel in unreached people groups, you know, and we're going to continue to grow that hopefully as more of us go out uh, to preach the gospel. But be thinking about the persecuted church, first and foremost, family. But also I want you to always consider as we walk in through the text, have a, ask the Lord to give you a deeper awareness of the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. Of like what God is doing supernaturally. We can't explain a lot of this stuff. You can't really explain how in the world you preach the gospel to somebody for three weeks and now they're willing to die. That's that's just that's just God's grace. That's the Holy Spirit. And so as we're going through the text here and as you see what's as we're as we're learning more about God in this text, I want you to be thinking from the perspective of like, God, awaken my heart, continue to help me have a keen awareness of the Holy Spirit, uh, not only just the understanding the text and what's going on again in the first century, but ask actually how you move and work today in the lives of people as we talk about salvation, people walking with God, people growing in Christ, you growing in Christ. And then finally, I want you to be thinking about what God wants to do or has been doing in you as a leader, Okay. So as we're walking through First Thessalonians, continue to be thinking about, man, okay, here's, it, it, it's, these are implication texts. I mean, uh, the, the big picture is Paul is trying to galvanize a people group to be able to stand firm no matter what's going on in their life, which is what we all need, right? Uh, what's underpinning that is that it's Paul doing it. And guess what? Many of you have given your lives to Christ and you are now those leaders, and so what Paul is doing, again, is, is, is pedagogical. It's not just, hey, this is what I did. He's trying to teach us what does it mean to be a godly leader. And so for many of us in this room, if not every person, when you become a Christian, now you're under, you're under that teaching, you're under that training of I'm not just telling you who I, who I am and what I did, but I'm actually showing you what I did and who I am so that you will imitate me. So be thinking about that as we're going through the text, thinking about, wow, what did he say to the first century person? And how does that apply to me as a leader? All right. Scriptures reading verse seven. This is how he starts. <clears throat> Again, if uh, we're, we're on a moving train, so I'm not going to can't go back and explain all the other other texts there. But what we do know is that he begins to, at some level, encourage uh, these people. And he's, he's, he's saying, hey, I want you to understand there are people out here who are haters and they're trying to kind of dispel the gospel that I preach to you. Uh, but guys, please understand our character, understand who we are, understand the kind of man, uh, men that we were when we brought the gospel to you so that you not only have received with Thanksgiving, uh, but also be aware of those who are out here trying to detract from the good news. Right. So he's he's trying to he's trying to bring great disparity between the people who are saying, I don't know if you want to you know, believe Paul and what and what they were about and what they actually did. So they can see the difference and go, yeah, why would I believe these guys when I have this model right here? When I have this clear model. But again, also, he's trying to say, hey, that model you have here, I want you to continue to uh, fight hard and, and be the men and women that you're called to be in Jesus Christ. And so he's continuing kind of this apologetic. OK, so we're right in the midst of the argument. Um, it's apologetic of like what he has done to kind of determine, to kind of confirm to the people of God that he is not only legit, that you can trust me as you, as this is Paul talking but also, this is probably the keys you need to kind of take as you begin to walk with the Lord, as you continue to grow in godliness and eventually our leader yourself. He says, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of his own children. You see that? 
So, so he's telling these guys, he's like, hey, we, we didn't come to you forcefully. We didn't come to you. Cra- we came to you. Like, I love the, I love the word picture there. In this, in this whole sense here, he's talking about, here's the, in, in essence, here's what godly spiritual leadership, as it were, looks like. So many of us are in discipleship relationships. We're discipling someone or we're going to be trained to be discipled. And here he's talking to these people um, who are Christians for, man, at best, you know, three weeks. And then they went to, he went to three other cities for so a few months now. And he's saying, guys, when you saw us, you realized that there was a sense of us being like a nursing mother. Now, nursing parent, uh, that uh, nursing mom provides different kinds of imagery um, that we can kind of use as far as implications. We can kind of think of of the nutrients component of how the mom gives the nutrients. Uh, we can think of, uh, you know, how, uh, I, like I, what I don't want to do, I don't want to get caught up in all those implications. What I want to, what I want to show here is I think his main issue is, is really trying to make clear that he was not the, 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 the mode of operation of the gospel being proclaimed to them was not one out of selfishness, but it was one out of selflessness. I think that's the key picture he's trying to give to you when he talks about this whole nursing mother piece. And I say that because think about it. The whole the whole context when you keep walking through the text here, he's talking about not being greedy, not preaching the gospel for money, not wanting a claim to themselves. So it seems that he's trying to make it clear that we didn't get into this thing for ourselves. We got into this thing for you. Right. And you think of it, I think it's a perfect picture. A nursing mom. I mean, man, my, my awesome wife, we have five kids. Uh, there's many moms here. Uh, We've all we've all experienced motherhood at some level because all this is born and and think about I mean, think about the selflessness that comes with being a mom uh, that you're 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 nursing a baby, you're feeding a baby. And one thing that blew us away, you know, when you first have kids, the first you talk about selflessness, the first maybe I'll, I'll get this wrong, mommies, but I'm, I mean, eight months. As a dad, it was hilarious because I really saw my selfishness because I thought this baby absolutely does nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like absolutely just eats, cries, sleeps, and poops. Like that's that's all. It was just, and I just thought, man, there's there's no there was no as it were other than that that internal joy of like, oh my baby, you know that grace that God gives you there. There was no there was no like I'm a, I'm a type A person. There was no ROI. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like you know I feed you, you mow the lawn. There was none of that. You know what I'm saying? Praise God. You know, it was, it's a beautiful thing because you get to see, but you get to see a mom uh, from labor to, to the nursing component have absolutely no energy. And God supernaturally fills the mom with more energy to be able to have the baby, feed the baby, continue to stay up all night. Cause, cause guess what? You're getting, you're getting up throughout the night to feed the baby. And it's just an amazing display of absolute selflessness. It really is. Uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing display of absolute selflessness. And so I propose here, he's, he's really trying to say that, that basically the Christian life, as it were, in leadership is not a life about getting, but it really is a life about giving. And we have to understand that as a local community, right? And we always tell people this, or I'm, I'm starting to tell people this more, is that if you really want true biblical community, right, you really want that, you're going to give way more than you receive. Now, let me say that again. Biblical community, because we all want, right? Is, it, is that fair? We all, we all want ours. And that's why it's kind of hard to be at Mac. 
Okay, I'm going to tell you a secret. Here's why. Because we call your bluff. You said you want a biblical community. Right? So then we say, okay, we're going to ask you to give of yourself. And then we all go, cool. And then the first few months, we're like, we're giving, we're giving. Then you get tired. And then you're like, wait a minute, when am I going to get mine? Now, I'm with you, okay? Because I struggle, this is a testimony. I struggle with the same thing. As your pastor, I'm like, wait a minute, when am I going to get mine? But then I remember, no, this is, this is about renewing my mind now. See, there's joy in this. I'm just in the flesh. See, I just have a bad perspective. And so it's only when you, when you have those moments to go, no, actually, bibliocentric community is when you are actually pouring your life out. That's what Paul says, as a drink offering. So that means everyone in this room, when you say, I signed up for the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to love Jesus, I want to preach Christ to the community, I want to neighbor well, what you are saying is that I want to daily pour my life out as a drink offering. Did you know that? That's what you're saying. So I want to propose when we get tired and it's fair, totally fair. Hear me there. Take time not to get mad at other people, not to get mad at the local body, not to go get self-centered and and, and isolate, but to go, Lord, okay, two things. First, let me renew my mind and remember, Lord, joy is a choice. Let me choose to enjoy the fact that, man, I am really giving of my life. And not going, but he not, she not. Right? Because like we all, it's, like, it's like when you go into the two lane to the one lane. Like, you're willing to get over. But you get mad when you see the other person cheating. <laughs> right? So you're like, I was going to be godly. Right. right? But now I see it's a dog-eat-dog world. Okay? So I guess I'll get Right? And that's what happens. Right? That, that happens in the spiritual life. You want to do the right thing, but you're looking around, you start judging folk. Well, why I got to do all this, and I, she not doing, he not, right? We start doing that versus worrying about ourselves, honoring Christ. The other thing, can I propose this? This is this pragmatic for our body. All right, we went first century. You know what's happening there, so make sure I'm faithful to the text. Can I, can, can I propose to you pragmatically? I think it's very healthy for people in our local body to hit it hard, and then get some time with your family or friends and get away. A few times a year. I think it's important. To keep, just to continue to renew our minds and be able to get some rest. I'm, I'm more convinced than ever at 41 now. And I, and I messed this up. So that's my fault. I created a culture like this. And I'm trying, but I'm realizing the importance of Sabbath rhythm and rest. Right? So that we can pour our lives out. So that your testimony can be, man, I was like a nursing mom. I, I was committed. I was self-sacrificial. I was selfless in giving of myself. Because that's what Paul says. And he uses this word gentle. Now, gentle, now this, theologians argue, is he, is he saying gentle or is he using the word babe? And, I, and, I, and what I don't want to do, I, just, I throw that out for the academicians here, but I'm proposing to you, I think the same context makes sense. And as it still sense whether you're a babe or gentle, he's, it's, this, it's this posture of, of selflessness that he's talking about here. He goes on, he says, so, so if you want to, so being a leader, right, uh, pouring your life out, uh, being the man and the woman that God wants you to be, it seems like this sense you need to be selfless, 
Verse 8, so being affectionately, he says, so that's what I was to you guys. He's pleading to them, letting them know this is who I am. So being affectionately desirous of you, you were ready to share with, uh, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. Again, you see that? This theme, this theme, what is it? <laughs> that self, that sacrificial theme. This whole, this whole concept of affectionately desirous means like longing for someone passionately, family. Right. Taking on the interests of someone, showing kindness and care in that way. And notice something here. Notice and this is interesting to me that he says in the text here that him sharing a gospel with them necessarily was not. Uh, it wasn't just that it wasn't that he, he just didn't share the gospel, but it sounds like almost like that would have not been the complete mission if he would have just shared the gospel. It seems like he puts a premium on, hey, we share the gospel, but also our lives. Also ourselves, because you become very dear to us. And this text here, it seems that there's a sense of, 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 of ongoing commitment. Like, it's not, can I propose we do discipleship in our local body? And in the heart behind that, and as we model it as leaders, is not to be some sense of detached professionalism. Right. You're not going and trying to just pour into somebody because that's the job that we've given you as a leader. And that's not why we do it as pastors and elders. But it seems like there is a there's a motivation here that's deeper in the text here uh, where it's it, it flows from a heart of love. Right. That this is this is a community that's characterized by love. And in that now you're able to pour out. Your life, you are able to to let someone know who you are and not just go through the motions and actually train people for a mission. You see the difference? My prayer for our body is that would be that would be the song of our body, that we would be able to say that to one another, that we don't have all the answers. This is not about us being smart. But what we do is we come alongside each other and we give our lives. We pour our lives out to each other. We're known by each other. That's why we say that every, every, every week here. We're just trying to know each other and be known. That's just not pithy sayings, guys. My prayer is that we will be a community characterized by love. But again, I say he clarifies his motivations here. So he's continually, as you read the text, guys, he's, he's letting, here's my motivation. Here's why we did this. So they could be like, oh, yeah, why are we listening to these guys? Paul was legit. Our lives have changed. He is a good brother. He gives the motivations, but again, it's always didactic, guys. He's trying to give you an example as well. Now, that's important. He's giving you an example of how to live. That's important because that's an issue of stewardship, right? For many of us in this room, you have become Christians, and there's been people in your life who have poured into you, right? And I want to propose you need to be a steward of that. Let me, let me say it a different way. There, like there's people like I, I know, like in our body, we have some wonderful, you guys are wonderful and you get matched up with some godly people in this room. And guys, I want to propose don't squander that. See, guy, I, I feel that way. I had God has blessed me. Like to me, discipleship is I mean, it's, it's not I, don't, I wouldn't say it's un, unhealthy. I don't, the weight isn't unhealthy, but I have a deep sense of stewardship with my life because God has blessed me with some amazing people who poured their life into me. Um, you guys, I've you guys, I've, I've had you meet Roger Hershey, who's the most influential man in my life. Uh, I've watched this guy. He, they call him, the, you know, I mean, he's like he's like legendary um, in crusade. Uh, I've had an opportunity to be, you know, discipled by Wayne Grudem's son, Elliot Grudem. You know, I've had an opportunity to be poured into by Dr. Robert Coleman. I look at all these people and I literally look and I go, man, I don't want to screw this up. 
these guys have, have, have poured their life into me, have taught me what does it mean to walk with the Lord? What does it mean to have integrity? What does it mean to, to understand the Bible? And man, I want to, I want to honor Christ, but God is also in his grace giving me a desire to want to honor these guys who are before me, who, who actually given me their lives and said, I'm going to entrust my life to you. That's Paul. He's pleading to them. He's like, guys, we just didn't give you a bunch of doctrine, man. I'm, he's like, I'm, you don't know that I'm Paul and i we, we've given our lives to you. There's a stewardship component there where he's like, hey, I've given you my life. This is didactic. I want you to take this and I want you to actually do something with it as well. I want, I want you to imitate this. So my prayer for us in this, in this body is that it would, be a, it would be a pleasure, not a duty to disciple people. You know? And I know that can get difficult because things get hard and, and it's a hustle. But that, and that's a choice. My prayer is for that, though. Um, that love is really giving yourself. Verse nine, he says, for you. So he's, he's going on. He says, I was gentle among you like a mother nursing his child. I will be affectionately desirous of you. We, we, we share with you our, our, our hearts. Uh, and, and, and not only the gospel, we share with you our lives. Doesn't that sound like speech where you're trying to make a defense? Doesn't that sound like defense speech to you? He's defending. He's trying to make an apologetic. He's making it clear to them. Our motivations was real. For you remember, verse 9, brothers, our labor and toil. Look, he continues on. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Again, that you have the sense of, man, I, I, I want you, we, were, we were gentle. If, if you're going to be a leader, you take that to us. Well, how do you, how do you apply that to your life? I want to be a gentle leader. I want to, I want to be a, a leader, a leader that, that's self-sacrificing. I want to be desirous, caring for people. And then you look at here, he had unselfish determination, it looks like, right? Unselfish in the sense of like, man, our labored and toil. And think about that. He was, he was working as a tent maker and then preaching the gospel. Historians say that, man, he spent, I mean, basically the wee hours of the night and day working hard uh, for Jesus in this way. And I won't even get to, you, to talk to you, maybe I'll do it next week, to share with you uh, uh, kind of like a, a type of who, uh, like who Paul is, like his look and, and what he, I mean, he, he wasn't the prettiest dude. He was, I mean, this man was a mess. Um, and I propose that probably he lost a lot of that hair because of all the stuff he was doing. So maybe I'll give that to you next week. But all I have to say is that you see a guy here who's like, man, we worked night and day. And, and, uh, and that's different than people who are kind of using, using religion, right? So that in the marketplace, so that they can get money. Right. That's that was normal in the first century. They would they would they would talk and be all wise and be Socratic and 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 and, and use all these pithy sayings so that people go, man, you're so deep. You're so wise. And you know how people are when they start talking like that. You don't know what they saying, but it sound deep. And you just leave thinking you got some good stuff, but you don't know how to explain it to nobody else. Like they would do stuff like that. Right. Right. And so they would they would demand that was so deep. I can't believe you said that you rhyming and stuff. Right. And so they would do that and they would get money. Right. And Paul says, we didn't we didn't do any of that. We were. He's like, he's like, no, we, we didn't we didn't we didn't peddle the gospel, the good news of Christ. We didn't pour into you just so that we can get paid. Right. And so remember when we started this ministry, remember to this day. And I, I, don't, I don't you know, I'll say this to brag. I'm just letting you know, if maybe if you're new here. First of all, when we started the ministry, we wanted to make sure that people in our local body, that none of the money in this body went to the pastors. Right. Because we wanted to set a framework to let all y'all know. That this is about the Lord's glory. This is not about you trying to make me or Leon or the elders some fat cats. We want to have a different narrative. So we raise support and have people helping us be able to focus on pouring into this community. 
We raised support for our operation budget and all of our salaries, right? And we did that. And to this day, you guys have been gracious, right, as we kind of subsidize it down. But to this day, Leon and myself, we still do not get paid fully from this local body, right? I mean, what, Jenny, what did I make? 2700 from this body a month? I, don't, I forget what it is a month from, from this local community. <laughs> I need more than that, brother. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's, you know, and, and I mean, so, so just letting you guys know. Now, now, praise the Lord, that's coming from 10 years in the game, and you guys have been gracious, and now, praise God, our operation budget comes from this community. Praise God. Our health insurance comes from this community. So our body is biblical-centric, where you guys are like, wow, we want to take care of our pastors. So I, I praise God for that. But just like Paul, I, 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 I can understand this, because we were like, man, we want to make sure that monetary issues do not get in the way. And his point was like, yo, I did all this. So this very conversation we have and right now we wouldn't be having. He's kind of probably frustrated. I can't believe I got to talk about this because that's the reason why I did it the way I did it. So you would go, if there's anything I'm going to say about Paul, it won't be that he was a scoundrel trying to get money. Because I know the brother was hustling. I know he had a tent making ministry. I know that wasn't what he was about. But yet still he had to go there. Again, the apologetic is one of like, I just want you to know that. Our passion was for you, was for the sake of God's glory, not for the money. That the gospel was most important here. So he's providing a picture and a legacy of unselfishness, right? That's the picture he's, he's trying to paint here. In fact, I want to propose to you, family. He was like, I don't want to be a burden to you. And because of that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have the burden fall on me, right? I'm pretty sure that was difficult, having another job and doing all those things, just so that he can say the gospel was free of charge. He didn't see ministry as a job. And real quick, I want to just pause and, and look at the, when he says here, proclaim the gospel to you. I just love that little tidbit. This is just a, a, slight, a slight deal. Uh, that, that word is herald. I love in the sense that he always talks about this sense of gospel proclamation in that way. And the reason why that's important, because herald means just simply retelling what has been told to you. I love that because that's just a key, another key indicator how Paul didn't get too smart and try to change things. He kept the gospel the gospel. I just love that. I love that he preached the gospel. That's what he preached. My prayer is that for all of us, that will be us as well. That we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. His, his defense, his apologetic, his desire to, he continues on. As he says, you are witnesses. He's talking with these guys. We were gentle. So don't, 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 don't listen to the people or just remember. He's like, you know this. And guess what? These aren't things where he's saying, hey, I, I hope you realize this was our heart. He's, these are all things that they saw. You saw that we were gentle. You saw that we affectionately desired you. You saw that we gave our lives and not just proclaim the gospel. You saw our labor and toil. You know that we didn't want money. You see what he's trying to do here? He's making a case, guys. He's saying, this is how we were for you. And we were like this because we want you to be confident and to stand firm in what God has done in your hearts. But also we did this didactically because we want you to model this to other people one day. That's his heart. And he continues on with this message. You are witnesses. See, you saw this. And God also. You're witnesses. And you know the Lord was watching this whole thing. How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct Toward you believers. He uses these three adverbs. And again, what he does, he, he, uh, he's not just talking about things where you can just see kind of inner purity, right? right? These, are all, these are all things you can measure, right? You can measure if someone's blameless. <laughs> you can measure if someone's holy, right? You can measure righteousness. 
so he's saying, you saw our character. You saw how we walked around you. And I want you to model this. Now think about that, family. As we were, as we were discipling here. So they, they, had to, they had to pause in the first century. They're like, okay. Because Paul put himself out there. They could have said, yeah, we saw what you did. We didn't like that. That was foul. You know, we remember how you went here and there. I never forget um, um, when I was in college, um, uh, uh, Elliot, actually, I was at a, uh, this person had done something really, 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 really bad to me. And so then I, I was like, um, just went off, right? And then Elliot, my, my discipler, I went off and everything, and he was, he, was, he was around. And after I went off, he was like, hey, hey, hey do me a favor. Uh, can you share the gospel with him? You see the point? You see what he's saying there? His, his, his point was, you lost, your, you lost your platform, right? And his point was, just remember, like, this is about people being able to look at your journey and being able to want to hear what you have to say about Christ, right? He's like, you lost your platform. Uh, I, I remember that moment. It was, a, it was a deep moment for me because I was like, nope. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, no, because I just clown, so I probably can't. You know? Can I, well, I want to propose to us uh, what we don't what we ever want to do as a local body, guys, and we have so many personalities and things of this sort. As we're mentoring, as we're growing in leadership, uh, when he was saying that to those guys, he was saying it to affirm, like, hey, this is who I am, and you know that, so they can go check. You were holy, you were blameless, you were righteous. Right? But then also, again, didactic, he said, hey, I want you to imitate that. Right. And we're going to see that later. And so what he's saying is he's setting something up because he's saying that's who you need to be. As we're talking about giving our lives out, as we're talking about being able to say I left it out on the field for the Lord. Right. And to be like that, guess what has to happen for all of us in here? You have to be willing to see God even change your personality. See, a lot of us are, are the kind of people where we say that's just how God made me. Right. I'm just grumpy. Right. I'm can't keep it real. Right. I just walk around just frowning, you know, don't judge me. Right. I just tell I just tell it like it is. And you just telling people off and people, you, you just got a whole graveyard of people behind you as you walk down. Cause you, <laughs> right. right. Well, I'm just shy. I don't want to talk to you. I don't, I don't want to share. I don't want to share truth. And so all of us have all of our different areas where we totally have not given it to the Lord. And we're like, this is just who I am. And to be different would be so outside of my comfort zone, even though I know I exalt Christ. Even though I know God will be honored. But that's so different than who I am. But it seems like Paul says, hey, here's a, here's a criteria. Holiness. Righteous. Blameless. This is who I was before you. And so I want to propose as we're discipling, as we're being discipled, as we're in these relationships, man, ask God to look at your, say, Lord, would you just look at my whole journey and I want to give all of who I am to you. And if my passivity hinders the gospel, change it, Lord. If my, if my gregariousness to the point where I am unbridled hinders the gospel, change it, Lord. If my demeanor, you hear me? If my demeanor so that's hard. That's the way you look. Right? Changes the gospel. Hinders the gospel. Lord, help me change it. Are we that passionate for gospel change? He says, imitate me. 
And the reason why I say that, guys, is because if you're going to be discipling people and telling people they need to be this and that, and then you're not, that's just hypocrisy. And my dream for my boys, like, you know, is, is, um, is, is, is as they grow up, you know, you know, because they're starting to connect with people and they'll grow up and they'll become teenagers. And, and people ask them to do things that are ungodly, you know. People are going to ask them to do things that dishonor the Lord. They're going to try to manipulate them. They're going to try to, you know, it'll be unbelievers and Christians alike, sadly. But my prayer is that they will be so grafted into the Lord, they'll be walking with Christ, that, man, a dream for me is as I look at, as I look at Paul, my prayer, the biggest joy, this is selfish joy for me, is that they will be able to say, because of the model, what would my dad do? That's my prayer. And that, and that what I would do would be what Christ would do. Now, they can go straight to Christ. Praise God. But guess what? It's not unspiritual for me to say, what would, what would my dad do? Because Paul just did it. And he didn't birth none of them. Okay? So, that's my dream. That they would go, man, wait a minute. Dude, you talking to me like that? What would my dad do? He probably wouldn't be connected with cats like this. Man, you want me to do what, bro? Like, hmm. You want me to, you want me to hang around that kind of environment? No, I mean, what? What would my mom doing it? No, I don't, I'm sorry, man. No, we can't. We can't do that. You can take your little brother. Hey, come, come on, Carter, man. We gotta go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That would warm my heart. Um, I know you guys desire that too for your kids. Hey, let's desire that for each other. It's okay to be with someone, be pouring into somebody, and for and for 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 Sarah Bowman to say, "Man, wait a minute. What, what was Julie doing this moment? Right." That's a beautiful thing. If we're pointing people to the gospel in that way, we're pointing people to Christ in that way, or people, are, they're looking to you, guess what? That happens, guys. That's stewardship. Do you understand? That's, how, that's why the game, the, the level is risen, guys. We don't like to hear that. No, just point them to Jesus. But God's using you. He's using you. That's how he's desired to work in his world, to use people. So you are being, I propose, theologically irresponsible when you try to remove yourself and just say, Jesus, 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 because that's not what Jesus planned. Jesus said he uses people to honor him. Now, if you're pointing people to you, that's a problem. But if you are pointing people to Jesus, that exalts Christ. It'd be a beautiful thing. Someone says, man, well, why would... Well, could, could I do that? Well, huh, let me. No, she, she gave me this verse one day. <laughs> Isn't that a beautiful testimony? Wait, wait, but, huh, you said it to me in the car. But Jesse, man, I don't know. I don't, we were talking the other day, and we were, t- we were, we were you know, we were, we were studying Thessalonians. That's the beauty. That's the joy. That's what Paul wanted. Do you know that? Because <sighs> he says it here. Look at this. For you know how like a father with his children. He Now notice this. He, he uses, you noticing something? He's using a lot of familial, right, word, word picture here. You noticing that? Mother, dad, children. You see that? You know why he's doing that, family? You know why I propose he's doing that? Because the family of God is a family. Right? The people of God is a family. And if we, if there's one thing we can, I think Satan uses to trick us is to make us think this is just a gathering with no connection. That there is not a deep familial passion for the people of God. I mean, if 
if my, when they hurt each other or me and my brother hurt each other, we're upset. It's frustrating, but he's still my brother. We still connect. We're still, we still sit at the table, right? And we've done, our family has done some crazy things to each other. I'm just amazed at how a, a flippant comment can make people leave a church today. It's like we're surprised that we're all sinners. You'd be like, oh my goodness, what happened, man? He sinned against me. Okay, what else happened? <laughs> now, I'm not making light of sin, but I'm proposing to you. That's why we have an advocate with the Father. That's why we should be able to sin and ask for forgiveness. That's why we should be able to mess up and be like, man, I was so dumb. That's the third time I did that. Will you forgive me? I'm trying to grow. That's why I should be able to know that brothers and sisters got my back. As long as I'm continually recognizing saying, but I am imperfect, but I serve a perfect God. Would you walk with me in this? We should be able to say, yes, I will. I'm amazed at just how fragile the body of Christ is. How we are willing to just say, no, you said that I'm through with you. I'm, it's amazing. My prayer for this local community is that we can be an expression of something different. We can tell a different story, a story that's more in line with how Paul is talking here, where he's using this imagery to kind of put it in our souls. That I said a daddy and a mommy and a brother and a sister and a kid, that this is a family. We are a family. I'm committed to you. You're committed to me. And in our faults and in, our, in the things that God has blessed us with, we are one and we are together and we are going to fight the fight until the day of redemption. What happens when you have that commitment as a people of God? There's freedom, right? Because now you don't have to always be perfect. And now we can all be committed to growing together. Knowing we have each other's back. So I think that's why he's using this imagery. That's why Jesus uses this imagery. That's why he says you inherit moms and dads and houses. So he uses father here specifically. And in Greek, that was very serious, right? Because um, obviously in Greek times, that was supreme. Uh, he, would, he would actually arrange, a tra- arrange the training for the kids, uh, actually. <clears throat> and I'm proposing he's talking about the sense of commitment here. And he goes on, finally, he says, We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk uh, in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom uh, and glory. You see, he uses these synonyms here, exhorted and encouragement. Uh, each one of you, those are kind of like uh, synonymous. Here is what, he, what he's talking about here in the sense of that we continue to point you. And that's what I was saying, that this is not about this is not about just me telling you what I did, which I propose. Hopefully, since this solidifies it, I'm telling you all these things to confirm in you a passion and a heart for knowing who I am. But not just knowing who I am. That was to actually confirm Hear me here. Them seeing who Paul was and saying, yes, that's true, Paul, you're right, was to actually encourage their faith. It wasn't for them to go, Paul, yes, you're awesome. Yeah, you did all this stuff. And Paul to go, see, thank you. And finally, I get respect around here. You know, I'm not Rodney Dangerfield. That was his heart. His heart was, was actually for you to see those things that, okay, Paul did those things and we received it. So God really is working in me. That was, that was the heart. Is that for them to be like, oh, yes, the gospel is working in me. God is doing his thing. I am a Christian. I can't fight the fight of faith. We have withstood persecution. God is working. That's, he wanted to drum in them a passion of faith in their own hearts that they would fight the fight of faith well. But also, 
you look at verse 12, but also for them to be passionate to go, because of that, as Paul just said, I'm looking at all the things Paul did. He wants me to walk in that kind of manner, the manner worthy of Christ. That now, okay, okay, so God has worked in me. He is working in me. He did use Paul. And so now I can be holy and blameless and righteous. And I can, I can, and, and one day I'm going to be able to be able to pour into people like a, a nursing mom. And, and I can, I can do these things because God is working in me. Not because I'm good and because I have great training, but because of the Holy Spirit's power in my life. I can be part of the family and I can lift the family up to honor God. You see that? And he says, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory, loving how he ends it. He says, we can do those things and just remember yourself. You've been saved by God uh, and want you to just keep in mind a reason why you can pour and you can, and you can give your life out as a drink offering. I mean, cause these are high things he's asking all of us to do to sacrifice and cast down your idols. Everyone in here, right? We hear this weekly. My prayer is that we would not get tired of just going, man, so God wants me to actually give over my idols. <laughs> He says, I want you to be willing to, to suffer loss in this world in the sense of the flesh. You know, the things that you really want to hold on to. And you know they're not from God, but you're like, but I really want to, I want these things. I want to trust you, Lord, but it's so, I'm so scared if I let go of these things. God says, you can trust me. You can pour out your life, give your whole life to Jesus, preach the gospel, live a godly, quiet life, not do all the things that the world tells you you need to do to, to validate that you have a, a good existence or to validate that you are significant. That's what the world tells you, right? That you have to make $3 billion. You have to have these kind of houses. You have to look this certain way. You have to have these kind of friends. All this other stuff that the world tells you. And God says, no, I want you to preach the gospel, live a godly life, be holy, blameless, and just, and just fight for me, and you die. Right? That's not, you're like, that ain't sexy at all. <laughs> just die? Remember we're in Genesis? Wasn't that a humbling thing we learned in Genesis? You see these men of God, Abraham and all these guys, and you see they go through these whole lives. And, and you, even if you're not a Christian, you know about Abraham, you hear about Abraham and all this stuff. And then we were blown away by Moses and Abraham and all these guys. They would die in the next verse. They'd be totally forgotten about. Remember that? We're like, and I proposed to you guys that again was didactic. God was trying to teach you and us, you and me. I'm showing you that it's not about men. Yeah, who's up next? <laughs> I mean, that's God. <laughs> yeah, Abraham, dead. Who's next? You know what I'm saying? We're like, but I, was, I, gave, I really gave my life, so you dead. Who's next? You know what I'm saying? And that's the beauty. That's the, right? that's the, what that does, that hits our pride, right? That is not about you. But that God is like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm still accomplishing my plan. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pr- promise you a glorious future. You will be in glory with me. I'm going to hook you up, but it ain't about you. See that difference? It's so sad. If I can just, if I can just go there, that's why, I, I mean, I love Tamara's request. You know, she has her dad. And we don't know if, 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 you know, if he's close to, you know, being home with the Lord or what. But that's the hope he has. And that's why she said he's in good spirits. Because at the end of the day, no one, if you go to Arkansas, people probably don't know your dad. But God does. God knows what happened. Right. And then when, when, when it's our time to go, he keeps turning the page and doing his thing. But he says, do it because there's a glorious future waiting for those who are in Christ. See, we got to have that motivation. 
And that's hard when the world is saying, no, get your name in lights now. Get your name in lights now. Let people know who you are now. It's all about you. Consume, consume. Make sure you grab, make sure you grab. You got to make sure that people tell you that you're awesome. And then we spend all our life trying to make sure people tell us we're awesome. And we forget to pour our life out like a drink offering. And then Satan's tricked us because then he lulls us to sleep. And they were 70, 80, 90 years old going, what did I do with my life? Even if you got all that stuff, what did you do with your life? You know what's funny about all that? And then we'll go home. What's funny about all that? Think about it. Even the people who get all that stuff. Never forget, I think it was his third Super Bowl when Tom Brady sat on 60 Minutes and was like, what? I got all these rings. I'm filthy rich. I'm married to Giselle. You know what I'm saying? I got all this stuff. This is what, check it out. And he says, there must be more. This is Tom Brady. He said, there must be more. This is it. This is my money. There must be more. And you know what I love about Super Bowls and all this stuff? I love that you, we, we're jumping around. Trust me, I'm the craziest one. I'm jumping around. I don't know none of these guys. They don't know me, care for me, don't give me any money. And I'm jumping around like I'm one of the homies. Ah, we did it. We. I'm in Detroit. Right? You do all that. Guys, in three weeks, you forget all about it. Go all do it again. If I was to ask you to name the last 10 Super Bowl winners, probably couldn't even do it. It's fleeting. It's fleeting. You know, you watch these guys, you watch, you know, I love boys and men growing up. And I'm like, oh, boys and men, you know, do you think, you know, all this stuff. Where are they now? Doing commercials and stuff. And guess what? The, the younger kids don't even know who they are. It'd be the old folks. Yeah, boys and men, they're like, Who? That's how fleeting. It's, you see how fleeting it is? So it's interesting to me that you can actually fool yourself. Satan can fool you to think, I'm going to try to get my, put my name in lights now, and it still doesn't matter. The most popular person still, it's like, who, what? So even pragmatically, it only makes sense to pour your life out to Jesus. Not to mention you get a glorious future. And man, that's a dream for me. That, it's a faith step. It's a faith step. But my dream is I would have tears in my eyes knowing... Man, I didn't get all this stuff, but I gave my life out to Christ. What a joy to be on that deathbed, scared, because you don't know. It's now it's a faith moment. What's going to happen now? All right? I believe, Lord, I gave my life to you. I'm feeling weak. I don't know how to, is this going to hurt? Right? I don't know what's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? But Lord, I want to trust you now. Imagine having to do that without Christ. Imagine having to go through that moment where you know you're about to take your last breath and you have no hope. He says, no, walk in that manner worthy of God because you have a glorious future. So my prayer is that this would implore us, this would encourage you to disciple well in this local body. People, if you're not in a discipleship relationship and you're part of this community, I pray that you would consider coming and, and this, just do some life together. And, and guys, make Christ known in our neighborhoods. Let's invite people. Let's invite people to this glorious message that Paul is talking about. So how shall we live? Gentle. Verse 7. Affectionate towards others. Verse 8. Sharing our lives. Verse 8. Self-sacrificing being in nature. Verse 9. Holy, righteous, 
and blameless. Verse 10, desiring to produce godly lives, pouring our life out, discipleship. Verse 11 and 12. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to be reminded from your holy word who you are and who we are. And we pray, Lord, we, we admit we are so prone to wander. But Lord, would you just continue to be gracious to us and draw us to yourself and fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to walk in your ways to enjoy Christ. Pray for our kids, our young people to not grow up religious to have an encounter with you, to live a life of faith. Pray that we can minister to our community, love our neighbors well, and retell the story of the gospel as you did, Paul. We pray for that, Jesus. Give us that grace. In Christ's name, amen.